From New York, this is Democracy Now! This is Israel's 9-11, and Israel will do everything to bring our sons and daughters back home. There is no reconciling with genocidal terrorists. Israel will exact a heavy price on Hamas so that what we witnessed will never repeat itself. Israel's ordered a complete siege of Gaza after fighters from Hamas broke out of the blockaded Gaza Strip Saturday to carry it on an unprecedented attack by air, land and sea on Israel. Over the past three days, at least 1,300 people have died, including over 800 inside Israel and over 500 in Gaza. Israel expects and demands political and military support while advancing goals that are fundamentally at odds with international legitimacy and consensus. Its policies are an assault on our humanity, on international law, on peace, and are a threat for its own people. We'll go to Israel and Gaza for the latest. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The death toll across Israel and Gaza has topped 1,300 as the bloody conflict stretches into its third day. Israel today announced a total blockade on Gaza, including food, water, electricity and fuel. On Sunday, Israel declared war on Hamas after Hamas fighters launched a surprise, coordinated attack on Israel Saturday. Among the targets was a music festival where Hamas gunmen killed some 260 mainly young people. Israel responded by pounding the Gaza Strip with airstrikes, which hit housing blocks, tunnels and a mosque. Over 800 Hundred people have been killed in Israel, over 500 in Gaza. Thousands more have been injured on both sides of the separation barrier. Hamas says it's taken over 100 hostages, including civilians and Israeli army officers. Israeli Prime Minister has told Gazans to leave, though it's unclear where they'd be able to go, vowing to all but decimate the besieged territory. All of the places where Hamas are deployed, hiding and operating in, that wicked city, we will turn it into an island of ruins. I am telling Gaza's people to leave those places now because we will take action everywhere. Over 120,000 people in Gaza have already been displaced from the Israeli attacks. 65-year-old Saba Abu Hilal, who lost his home in an airstrike, says he refused to be uprooted. I am not the only one left out on the street. There are 17 other families in this area made homeless following this barbaric strike, which killed around 17 or 18 people. Several families are on the street and left without refuge. This is not the first displacement, and it's as if they are displacing the Palestinian people every now and then on purpose. There was the 1948 migration, and it was followed by similar waves of people leaving the country. Our children are also migrating, and now they 
they are destroying homes over the heads of residents while they sleep, without any warning or reason, with the aim to displace and destroy and to uproot them from this land. However, we refuse to be uprooted. We have firm roots in this land. The U.S. said it'll send more military aid and munitions to Israel already, the largest annual recipient of U.S. military funding. It'll also bring military ships and aircraft closer to Israel. The U.N. Special Rapporteur on the Occupied Palestinian Territories blasted what she called the selective outrage of many Western nations following the conflict's outbreak as they failed to recognize the ongoing violence against Palestinians, she said. Francesca Albanese said, quote, human rights organizations have said it all along that continuing to oppress a population with total impunity would lead to a catastrophe, and this is what's happening. The responsibility is also on the international community, which has one opportunity now to be wise and be even-handed, she said. Meanwhile, The Wall Street Journal is reporting Iran helped plan Hamas's attack on Israel. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says he's not seen any evidence to substantiate that claim. Solidarity protests with Gaza took place around the world over the weekend, including here in New York City's Times Square. The whole reason I'm yelling is because the powers that be in New York City and New York State don't want this rally to happen. The mayor, Eric Adams, perhaps the police chief, we've seen that the governor has denounced this rally, but they don't want us to have any amplified sound because they don't want us to be heard by the people of New York because they don't want people to know After headlines, we'll go to Jerusalem and to Gaza. In Afghanistan, Taliban officials say more than 2,000 people were killed, nearly 10,000 injured, after a magnitude 6.3 earthquake and several powerful aftershocks struck the western Herat province on Saturday morning. The quake flattened buildings in six villages, trapping hundreds of people in their homes. The death toll could rise as rescue workers continue to search for survivors using shovels and, in some cases, their bare hands. It's one of the deadliest earthquakes to strike Afghanistan in 20 years and risks further exacerbating the ongoing humanitarian crisis. In Ecuador, six suspects accused of being involved in the August murder of presidential candidate Fernando Villavicencio have been killed in prison. The six men, who are all Colombian, were being detained in the city of Guayaquil after their arrest two months ago. They were all alleged members of a drug trafficking group. Villavicencio was running on an anti-corruption platform for president and was critical of organized crime and its ties with the Ecuadorian government. This comes just days before voters take to the polls this Sunday for the presidential runoff between leftist Luis González and wealthy businessman Daniel Noboa. Colombia's governments announced the start of long-anticipated peace talks with the largest faction of dissident members of FARC, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. On Sunday, both sides said offensive actions had been suspended as the government of President Gustavo Petro prepares to issue a formal ceasefire decree in the coming days. The Estado Mayor Central is a group of former FARC members who rejected a 2016 peace accord with the Colombian state that removed FARC from the decades-long conflict. This is an EMC representative. 
We can't disregard this historical moment, which will have a positive impact on our communities. Without a doubt, stopping killing each other is the wisest path to start constructing a better future. Ending the war and the rhetoric of violence will lead to a constructive peace discourse. In related news, Colombia's Superior Court is allowing a witness tampering and fraud case against former Colombian President Alvaro Uribe to move forward. Uribe is accused of attempting to discredit allegations he had ties with right-wing power military groups. During his time in power, from 2002 to 2010, there were thousands of extrajudicial killings of civilians who were then purposely mislabeled as rebel fighters in what became known as the false positive scandal. In Guatemala, tens of thousands of people have taken to the streets in recent days as nationwide protests intensify over the ongoing persecution of President-elect Bernardo Arevalo and his progressive Semilla party. Demonstrators are demanding the resignation of Guatemala's attorney general, Consuelo Porras, and several prosecutors involved in efforts to disqualify Arevalo's landslide victory in August runoff presidential election. Arevalo and Semilla are accused of election fraud and irregularities in the party's registration. Prosecutors have ordered raids on electoral offices and the seizure of ballots without any evidence to support their claims. Poras, who's backed by the Guatemalan political and business elite, has been repeatedly accused of corruption. Protests continued through the weekend across Guatemala, led by indigenous groups, student activists, human rights defenders and workers. To enter the democratic era, there has been bloodshed. So for a small group of people to come and destroy democracy overnight, we will not allow that. Meanwhile, the Organization of American States has named a delegation to mediate Bernardo Arevalo's transition to power ahead of a scheduled inauguration in January. The OAS has itself been accused of meddling in democratic election results across Latin America, most recently in Bolivia's 2019 election, where its unfounded fraud claims helped pave the way for the removal of the leftist President Evo Morales. A new report from UNICEF finds over 43 million children were internally displaced in the past six years due to extreme weather events, the vast majority caused by floods and storms. The U.N. agency notes displacement can negatively impact children's education, health care, food security and health. Children are also more likely to be separated from their families following a major disaster, increasing the risks of exploitation and child trafficking. UNICEF warns the situation will only worsen as the climate crisis intensifies. The report's analysis also looks into the future, and it actually projects a truly terrifying future. With every additional one degree of warning, the IPC believes the global risk of displacement by flooding, the largest driver, could rise by 50%. We are not prepared for this climate-changed future. And the displacement of children is barely on the radar of leaders. A new study finds an average of 7.6 million renters face eviction across the United States every year, nearly 3 million of whom are children under the age of 18. Researchers at Princeton, Rutgers and the U.S. Census Bureau also found eviction filing rates for black renters are four times higher than for white renters. In labor news, nearly 4,000 United Auto Worker members employed by Volvo's Mack trucks are on strike after voting down a tentative agreement reached last week. Mack workers in Pennsylvania, Maryland and Florida are joining some 25,000 fellow UAW members on the picket line as they continue their historic strike against Ford, GM and Stellantis. Mack workers say they were inspired to seek a better deal because of the historic strike against the big three. On Friday, UAW President Sean Fain announced a major win in talk with GM. GM has now agreed in writing 
to place their electric battery manufacturing under our national master agreement. We've been told for months that this is impossible. We've been told the EV future must be a race to the bottom. And now we've called their bluff. Bain was wearing a T-shirt that said, Eat the Rich. He did not announce any additional strike actions for now. Meanwhile, 75,000 healthcare workers employed by Kaiser Permanente returned to work Saturday. More strikes could be on the horizon if no deal is reached on improvements to pay, staffing, pension plans, and other benefits. A Georgia prosecutor has declined to bring charges against state troopers who fatally shot the environmental activist Manuel Esteban Terán, known as Tortuguita, during a raid on the Stop Cop City protest encampment outside Atlanta in January. On Friday, District Attorney George Christian released a 31-page report concluding none of the six officers who fired shots that resulted in Tortuguita's death acted unreasonably. An autopsy by the DeKalb County Medical Examiner's Office revealed Tortuguita was struck 57 times by police bullets. Although Tortuguita possessed a 9mm pistol, an autopsy also found no traces of gunpowder residue on their hands, challenging police claims that Tortuguita fired a shot that injured a Georgia state trooper. In a statement, the Stop Cop City campaign wrote, quote, from the start, the state's response to Tortuguita's murder has been to lie and cover up the facts. Today's announcement is just the latest in a long line of changing stories and withholding evidence, unquote. And today is Indigenous Peoples Day. Over 100 U.S. cities and a dozen states have adopted the holiday after long-time calls by Indigenous activists to stop celebrating a genocidal legacy of Christopher Columbus. Last week, over 50 U.S. senators and representatives again introduced a bill to formally replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day as a federal holiday. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. When we come back, Israel's ordered a complete siege of Gaza after fighters from Hamas broke out of the blockaded Gaza Strip Saturday, carrying out an unprecedented attack by air, land and sea on Israel. Over the past three days, at least 1,300 people have died, including 800 inside Israel and over 500 in Gaza. We'll go to Israel and Gaza for the latest. A Time to Cry by Rimbana. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. 
Israel has ordered a complete siege of Gaza, two days after as many as a thousand Hamas fighters carried out an unprecedented attack Saturday morning when Hamas fired thousands of rockets into Israel as militants broke through Israeli security barricades. Over the past three days, at least 1,300 people have died, including over 800 inside Israel, almost 500 in Gaza. One Israeli military spokesperson described Saturday as, quote, by far the worst day in Israeli history, unquote. The surprise attack came almost 50 years to the day of the 1973 Yom Kippur War. The Hamas attack killed at least 44 Israeli soldiers, including several commanders. Over 250 people were killed at an Israeli music festival attended by mostly young people. Hamas militants also took about 100 hostages. Entire Israeli communities were forced to evacuate. Meanwhile, Israeli airstrikes have killed over 500 Palestinians in Gaza since Saturday, but the death toll is expected to soar as Israel Israel threatens to launch a ground war. Israel has called up 300,000 reservists, is sending heavy armor toward the Gaza border. This comes as the United States is sending more ammunition to Israel and warships to the region. Earlier today, Israeli airstrikes killed dozens of residents in the Jabalia refugee camp. Israel's defense minister, Yoav Gallant, has announced a total blockade on Gaza, including a ban on food, water, electricity and fuel. Israel's imposed a siege on Gaza for the past 16 years, largely cutting off the area from the rest of the world. Gaza has been widely described as an open-air prison. Hamas named its military operation Al-Aqsa Storm in response to the desecration of the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. Hamas also cited the blockade of Gaza and increasing settler violence in the occupied West Bank. The attack also came as Israel was moving to normalize relations with Saudi Arabia. In a moment, we'll go to Israel and Gaza for response, but we begin with the voices of two parents, one in Israel, one in Gaza, whose lives have been devastated by this weekend's violence. This is Yoni Asher, a 37-year-old father whose wife and two children have been taken hostage by Hamas. Yesterday, uh, while my wife... Ron and two daughters, little little girls, Raz and Aviv, five-year-old and three-year-old, went visit my mother-in-law in, -law in uh, near Oz. It's a kibbutz near Gaza. And uh, during the morning, I contacted my wife, and uh, she told me on the phone that uh, there are terrorists inside the house. Later on, I saw a video, the same video that uh, was uh, in the social media, uh, which I surely identified my wife, my two daughters, and my mother-in-law on a, some, some kind of a cart uh, and terrorists of Hamas all around them. I want to ask of Hamas, don't hurt them. Don't hurt little children, don't hurt women. If you want me instead, I'm willing to come. And this is a mother in Gaza, Sabrine Abudaka, who survived after being trapped in rubble after an Israeli rocket hit her home. The attack killed three of her children. I was at home, 
And suddenly we heard a sound and everything fell over our heads. My children were next to me. One of them was next to my legs and the others were next to me. My brother Saber was a bit further. Nothing happened to him. I was hiding between the sofa and the door, so there was no pressure on me, only on my leg, but I didn't hear any sound coming from my children. I called them, but I didn't hear a sound coming from them. Suddenly, I heard my brother Saber calling. The first moment I heard his voice, I shouted and I said, I'm here. And when they recognized me, they started calming me down. And then they started removing the rubble from above me. It took them three hours to remove the rubble above me. But my children died. Khalid died. Caius died. Miriam died. Asif went missing. When they pulled me out of the rubble, I saw everything damaged. The house are damaged. That's the only thing I saw. And then I went to the hospital. I found that everybody was injured, and we have many injured and dead people. We spend the rest of the hour with four guests. In Gaza City, Raji Sarani is an award-winning human rights lawyer, director of the Palestinian Center for Human Rights in Gaza. He's the 2013 Right Livelihood Award laureate, as well as an RFK human rights laureate. Uh, We hope to be talking to him soon in Gaza. The bombing is heavy, an unprecedented bombing, he said, in his area in Gaza. Joining us from Mexico City, Ofer Kassif. He's a member of the Israeli Knesset and the Hadash Tal coalition. He was born in Rishon LeZion, Israel, which was hit by Hamas rocket strikes. Here in New York, Professor Rashid Khalidi is with us, the Edward Said Professor of Modern Arab Studies at Columbia University, author of a number of books, including The Hundred Years' War on Palestine. And joining us from Jerusalem, Orly Noy, Israeli political activist, editor of the Hebrew language news site Local Call. She's also the chair of B'Tselem's executive board. B'Tselem is an Israeli human rights organization. Orly, let's begin with you in Jerusalem. Can you respond to all that has happened over the weekend, the surprise attacks, the 1,300 people dead at this point in Gaza and in Israel, um, and now uh, the defense minister of Israel announcing a total siege of Gaza as tanks and military equipment head down to Gaza? Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, These are very, very dark days uh, in the area, both in Palestine and in Israel. We woke up Saturday morning uh, to the sirens uh, rushing us into the shelters. uh, And gradually, as the picture cleared, it it just became darker. Uh, We've been witnessing since uh, the heinous uh, Hamas attack on civilians on Saturday morning a long list of Israeli failures uh, failures that started even before the attack with the lack of uh, intelligence information. We're talking about uh, an intelligence operation that basically surveils every breath every Palestinian takes both in the West Bank and in Gaza Street and they knew nothing about that planned attack. Uh, It continued to the chaos that uh, that has been going on for long hours where hostages were held, where people were slaughtered without the army, 
uh, or police uh, forces coming to their rescue. Uh, and until today, there is still a tremendous amount of unclearness. Uh, people are still searching for their loved ones uh, with no uh, organized uh, uh, body by the government to inform uh, those worried people. Uh, and uh, on the and of course, the Israeli government is doing the only thing that Israel knows to do, which is revenge and more force and more death and more um, very random uh, bombing of civilians in Gaza Street. There is a very strong sense of uh, demanding revenge within the Israeli uh, public. Uh, and even if that can be understood, it does not by any means justify uh, the, the brutal attacks uh, that will, of course, be fruitful, like any previous promise we've been given by uh, the Israeli authorities to annihilate the terrorism and so on. This is just about revenge, which will end up just in more death and more violence and more blood. One of the questions, will this lead to the fall of the um, Netanyahu government? I mean, allied with the far right. For example, Itamar Ben-Gavir, the national security uh, head, himself uh, convicted in Israeli court uh, 15 years ago of inciting hatred against Palestinians. Um, he's the national security chief. Are there so many in the leadership here that have been so focused on uh, who are part of the Israeli settler movement on the West Bank that they weren't paying attention to Gaza? Absolutely. This is one of the, I mean, it, first it should be mentioned that Itamar Benfield was convicted with more than just a, uh, a hatred uh, towards Palestinians. He was convicted with uh, supporting a terrorist organization, so he's a convicted supporter of terrorism. Uh, there is a, a tremendous amount of anger directed towards the government in general, and specifically toward Netanyahu uh, and uh, the leadership. Uh, we know now that most of the military troops that were supposed to be posted in the south protecting the southern borders have been relocated to protect uh, the settlers in the West Bank. Um, these are things that, uh, I mean, right now the Israeli public is too much too deep uh, into the grief and shock, in the state of shock, but there will come a time uh, that they will demand those answers from the government and personally from Netanyahu. In the short, short term, it looks like we are going to uh, a broad um, a, a emergency coalition joined by Gantz and probably also Lapid. Uh, this is not unprecedented. Israel tends to unite politically around the leadership in times of crisis, but uh, there is no doubt that once the immediate crisis over, the Israeli public will be demanding answers from the government and from Netanyahu. Mm. 
Um, we're going to go from uh, Orly Noy right now in Jerusalem. You can hear the wind um, blow on her mic as she talks to us about the Israeli reaction to Raji Sarani, uh, head of the Palestinian Center for Human Rights in Gaza. I want to go to you quickly, Raji, because I understand you're experiencing unprecedented bombing in your area. Can you describe uh, what's happening in Gaza? The media in the United States, there is almost no one in Gaza to bring us voices of Gazans. Raji, can you hear us? Uh, the last 60 hours, I mean, Gaza subject to non-stop bombing. It's ongoing all over the place. There is no single place you can call it safe haven in Gaza. Um, airplane fighters, drones, flowing all over the sky, and it's your lottery number, whether it's an apartment, whether it's tower with 100 apartments, whether it's a house, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a school, a shelter uh, used by UNRWA. I mean, uh, even even the marketplace of Jabalia, the biggest the biggest uh, refugee camp in the Middle East for Palestinians, three hundred thousand Palestinians were were bombed and almost eighty has been killed. I mean, this morning and tens uh, injured in very very critical situation, and and all this is happening. I mean, at the daylight, and no one is caring about that. Netanyahu says Gaza should leave Gaza. Where to? Even we don't have safe passage. And the Minister of Defense say uh, we are going to cut electricity, water, food, oil, everything, and it will be cut on, on, on Gaza. So uh, 2.4 million civilians in Gaza are subject to unprecedented uh, situation. It's, it's very genocidal. Uh, it's, it's coming from the highest level in Israel. If they have a problem with Hamas, we have no problem. They can contact them. If they have with Jihad Islamic, with Fatih, with the fighters of the resistance, that's fine. Uh, this is not our area of interest, but our area of interest it's the civilians, and the civilians who are really in the eye of the storm, and they are the subject for the Israeli ongoing crimes. And still, Mr. KK, the ICC prosecutor, keeps silent, doing nothing, moving nowhere in this conflict, and doesn't hold Israel account for the ongoing crimes they committed over the course of years. Suppression, oppression, killing, uh, blockade, apartheid, name it. I, I mean, all, all the menu of the crimes are there, which listed a Chrome statute, and no one is moving. No one is moving to provide any level of protection for Palestinian civilians. Once and again, this is going on now. Uh, at the course of these uh, 60 or 70 hours, I mean, we 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 having hundreds of people has been killed. Just just children 
we have above 100 children has been killed. Women, almost the same number. And, and the worst year to come. We are sure and we know that. Uh, the Israeli prime minister has told uh, Gazans to leave. Um, uh, it's unclear, of course, where you've been able to go. Then they said that he was misunderstood, um, that he was saying you should leave the Hamas sites in Gaza. Can you respond to this, Raji Sarani? This is nonsense. This is nonsense. He is leading Smotrich and Ben Gafir. He is uh, leading people who say Palestinians don't exist and who says Palestinians should leave. This is the land of Israel. This is the historical land of Israel, and we are taking over. There is no other state, and there is no other people. There is one people. There is one self-determination. It's for the Israeli Jews. So, so he's a big liar. It wasn't a spell of tongue. He came after cabinet meeting and after a meeting with his top security and military people, and uh, uh, he was reading from a paper. So, so it cannot be a mistake. He knows what he said, and he meant what he said. And I do believe what they are doing deliberately will lead to that if this is continue and then to stop. What level of support does Hamas have? Hamas is the government of Gaza right now uh, since Saturday morning. The actions of the uh, thousand or so uh, Hamas fighters breaching the uh, wall. I don't think it's matter. I don't think it's matter of the people's support or not. Uh, you have to know when you are suppressed deeply by criminal, belligerent occupation, when you are suffocated. Do you hear? Do you hear the bombing? We hear it. I mean, right now, the entire house shaking while, while, while I'm talking to you. I'm living in the best area of Gaza, all right, and should be away from every problem. But everything around us has been bombed. And you don't know, never, your lottery number when it can be. There is no safe haven in, in, in this place. I lived all my life in this part of the world. I lived the mathematics and the chemistry, but, but I never, ever witnessed anything as such. And I'm telling you, I mean, if the Israeli made it and they did the landing carriage, situation will be much, much worse than this. Massacres will happen, I mean, to civilians. You have heard, I assume, that Israeli tanks and military equipment are making their way uh, to Gaza right now. So you're being bombed by the air, but the question is, will, be there, will there be a total land invasion? Um, can you respond to what this means? Just to give people a sense, you're talking about this strip of land, Gaza, that's about the size of Detroit. There are about 600,000 people in Detroit. We're talking about 2.4 million people. It's one of the most densely populated areas on Earth. Raji, if you could take it from there. Exactly. I mean, uh, Amy, uh, Gaza is one of the most dense populated areas on Earth, as you know, and 
if the army comes in, it will be like elephant in the garden. But I don't think any would love to be a good victim. Uh, we are, they, they, they want to strip us, not from our own security. They don't want to strip us from the food of our children. Uh, they were not satisfied of having this criminal belligerent occupation. They are not satisfied with the blockade. They are not uh, satisfied with uh, the killing and the bombing and freedom wars has been uh, happening in, 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 in the last 10 years, but they want to uh, do more. Uh, I think it's not a human to be a good victim. Uh, we are the stones of the valley. We have been here since ever. We will continue here forever. And uh, uh, I, 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 I think, I mean, if the Israelis did that, that means they are just melting the people of Palestine, of Gaza, just to be one body defending their very existence. This is our right and obligation, as the French say. Resistance, it's not only, I mean, right, it's, 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 it's your dignity I mean, in, in it. And, and people shouldn't be good victims for a criminal, belligerent occupation. When, when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, and and occupied Ukraine, the whole world stood and they said, we cannot support Russia and we have to support the Ukrainians against the, the occupation of, of the Russians. And, and, and we would support them not only politically, we would support them with money, we would support them with arms, we would support them uh, with all what we can, and they asked all the free people of Europe and U.S. to go and join the forces and to join the resistance in Ukraine against the occupation. I don't know why Palestinians, if they die, are criminals, if we think we are criminal and terrorists, if we do peaceful intifada, we are terrorists. And, and when the Israelis doing massacres, one after another, they just being supported as had happened yesterday by U.S. and 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 uh, by uh, major European countries. It's shame. It's shame uh, to leave Israel practicing the rule of jungle uh, in this way against the Palestinian civilians. I'm not sure. All if what it... we want, all what we want, simple and be clear. End of occupation. We want dignity and freedom. Period. Like any other people on earth. Raji, I'm not sure if this is the blast we just heard, but Middle East Eye is reporting that Israel just bombed the Islamic University of Gaza. Is that near you? It's exactly 800 meters from me, and that's when when I wasn't able, I mean, to talk to you. I mean, the entire building was like collapsing on our head. I want to bring um, 
a Knesset member into this conversation, and this may be unusual in um, uh, U.S. television, uh, to be joined by uh, the leading Palestinian human rights lawyer in Gaza, Raji Sarani, and to also bring in Ofer Kassif, a member of the Israeli Knesset. Um, Ofer, as you listen to Raji uh, speak from Gaza, and before that, Orly Noy, the board chair of B'Tselem, the human rights organization, uh, Ofer Kassif is a member of the Knesset with the Hadash Khtal coalition. Um, you were born in uh, Rishon Lezion, uh, which was uh, hit by um, rocket fire, uh, Hamas rocket fire, on Saturday. Can you respond? to what's happening right now and the decision of the uh, prime minister of Israel and the cabinet to declare war on Hamas. Thank you for uh, hosting me, and I would like to uh, express my gratitude for uh, my, the former speakers. Uh, Noy was the best, was a very good friend of mine, and Raji, and I wish you, Raji, and all of you, uh, uh, security peace and the health, of course. Uh, first of all, allow me to begin with uh, some personal, uh, you know, statements. Uh, my family lives in Israel. I'm, I'm at the moment in Mexico for before the uh, this uh, uh, war began uh, in a conference in an international conference of uh, leftist uh, parties, including. A delegation from uh, Palestine, and uh, we also uh, uh, had a press conference together, the Palestinian delegation and myself, because we share uh, the ideas against the occupation and against war. Uh, I must say that, unfortunately, uh, two days ago, I, I had a, I got a, me a WhatsApp message from a very good friend of mine who was hiding with her husband in the kibbutz. And, the, and, and she told me she was very afraid that she could hear the Hamas uh, fighters outside. Unfortunately, those were probably the last words she ever wrote because she was murdered with, it, with her husband just after she sent me that message. A very good friend of mine was also against the occupation, a voter of our party. What I'm trying to say is that Innocent people, innocent civilians of both sides, Israelis and Palestinians, pay the price of the arrogant, uh, criminal, ongoing occupation that Israel refuses to end. And I want to say something very, very clear and very, very blunt. Nothing, absolutely nothing, justify, can justify or legitimize the, uh, the carnage that Hamas carried out in the uh, uh, towns and uh, kibbutzim and the villages in, in the southern of Israel. Nothing can justify it. Uh, uh, it is appalling. And even the, the uh, occupation crimes, the, the crimes that Israel is guilty of, crimes of occupation, apartheid, ethnic cleansing, since the Nakba, those either... They not justify such a carnage. At the same time, nothing and absolutely nothing can justify the massacre that Israel carries, uh, carries out now in Gaza, not even the crimes of Hamas. So what I would like to say in the bottom line, 
that uh, following what uh, Orly and Raji said, and I totally agree with them, the Palestinians deserve the right. They deserve the national and individual rights. They deserve the right to be realized, the right of self-determination, to enjoy their own independent sovereign state, their own government, the freedom of movement. They deserve to feel in, to, to uh, live in peace and security without the daily pogroms by fascist uh, uh, settlers under the auspices of the occupation forces and the encouragement of this fascist government of Ben Gvir and Netanyahu. The Israelis deserve peace and security. They deserve to live in, in a state which, is, which doesn't occupy, which doesn't oppress. A state whose government is not a fascist and racist one. And I would like uh, to conclude, if I may, by saying, by uh, taking the whole issue into and explaining it within a political frame. Israel wanted this violent, violence. In 2017, Smotrich, who was then a, a, a member of the Knesset, but at the moment, unfortunately, this a, a racist thug is a minister, a minister of finance, but as well minister within the defense ministry. He published six years ago, uh, and it is uh, explicit. You can read it, and uh, you can Google and read it. It was entitled The Subjugation Plan, which boils down to three. First, the Palestinian occupied territories should be annexed to Israel as a whole without granting basic rights to the Palestinians. Second, those Palestinians who do not agree to live under this subjugation are going to be expelled from their homeland. And third, those Palestinians who are going to resist are going to be killed the, what we see now, and the, uh, the coup, by the way, that the government of Israel has been carrying out to, uh, within Israel, all of those are means to that goal. The goal is to realize the, uh, this horrific, racist, colonialist, fascist plan of Smotriches. And the attack on Gaza is part of it. They use the terrible, horrifying, unacceptable carnage in the southern of Israel as an excuse to uh, 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 attack Gaza as part of the realization of this fascist subjugation plan. And we should stand together, join forces, all peace lovers, Palestinians and Israelis, Arabs, Jews, and the international community must stand together and join forces to say to Israel, you are going to end the occupation now. You are going to end the occupation. The Palestinians must be liberated. The liberation of the, the, liberation of the Palestinian people is a just cause. It will also liberate the Israelis from the occupation. Because although, the of course, the Palestinians are, are the victims primarily, but the Israelis are victims of the occupation as well, as we just saw two days ago. What? So we must push a, put a pressure on the government to end it. It's up to the international community. It's up to us to act together and against all, the, all violence in Gaza, in West Bank, and in Israel.
Ofer Kassif, we're going to turn now to leading Palestinian-American professor, uh, Columbia University, uh, Rashid Khalidi. In a moment, we have to break. Um, uh, Ofer uh, Kassif is uh, a Knesset member in the Israeli parliament uh, with the Hadash Tal coalition. This is Democracy Now! We'll be back in 30 seconds. The Earth by Latrio Gibran. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Israel's ordered a complete siege of Gaza after Hamas fighters broke out of the blockaded Gaza Strip Saturday, carried out an unprecedented attack by air, land and sea on Israel. Over the past three days, at least 1,300 people have died, including over 800 inside Israel, over 500 in Gaza. Uh, we've been to Gaza and Jerusalem. Now we're joined here in New York by Rashid Khalidi, Edward Said, professor of modern Arab studies at Columbia University, author of a number of books, including The Hundred Years' War on Palestine. Uh, professor Khalidi, thank you for being with us as you listen to voices of Orly Noy in Jerusalem, of Raji Sarani, the human rights lawyer in Gaza, uh, the attack we heard on air live, um, and Ofer Kassi. The Knesset member of Israel. Can you respond to what has taken place and what it looks like is about to take place? Uh, Israeli military equipment and tanks are headed down to Gaza now. I'm afraid that the horrific casualties among civilians, Israelis and increasingly Palestinians, is just the beginning of what's going to be an awful, awful, awful massacre. In Gaza, um, the desire for revenge uh, after the killing of a very large number, hundreds apparently, of, of innocent Israeli civilians uh, is going to lead to a horrific massacre in Gaza of probably many, many more people than we can imagine. Um, and I, I agree with what Raji said, of course, my friend Raji, uh, who I hope is, is, is okay. Um, and I agree with, with what Orly said, and with what Ofer Cassis said, uh, the, the war crimes don't justify other war crimes. And we are about to see horrific war crimes. But I think there are two things that have to be added. This has to be put within the context. And the context is not just occupation. The context is settler colonialism and apartheid. The people of Gaza, the refugees in Gaza, originate in the areas where Hamas fighters were attacking in the last couple of days. Um, those were Palestinian towns and villages uh, uh, in 1948. The ethnic cleansing of Palestine led to the cooping up of what are now 2.4 million people in Gaza. Today is Indigenous Peoples Day in the United States. These are the indigenous people of the southern parts of Israel that the Hamas fighters were attacking over the past few days. That's the first thing. The second thing is I think that we're about to see a paradigm shift. The idea that you can coop up 5 million people, put them behind wa walls, tighten the siege on them, uh, use an eyedropper 
to allow them some food, some water, some electricity. That idea has exploded uh, as a result of the horrific events of the past two and a half days. Um, this cannot continue. It's not just a matter of occupation. We have to recognize that you cannot treat an entire people the way Israel, not just under this neo-fascist government, but under all of its previous governments, have treated them. You cannot expel three-quarters of a million people in 1948 and not expect the return of the repressed. You cannot commit daily violence against Palestinians. One Palestinian has died every day this year, in fact, slightly more, in the occupied West Bank. Uh, You cannot expect that not to lead to a reaction. The reaction will be violent. The reaction sometimes may include things that are unquestionably war crimes. But that kind of pressure put on an entire people over three-quarters of a century will necessarily, inevitably, bring a violent reaction. And this pressure cooker that the Palestinians are in, which uh, the Hamas military commander listed, he said what they're doing in Jerusalem, trying to take over the Al-Aqsa Mosque and turn it into a site of Jewish prayer, what they are doing in the occupied West Bank, in terms of the effective annexation of more and more Palestinian land to Israel, and the application of of Israeli law to Israelis, and military law to Palestinians, apartheid, two legal systems in one place, the imprisonment of 5,000 Palestinians, and the administrative detention of hundreds. And finally, the siege of Gaza. When Galant, Yoav Galant, the minister of defense, announced that he was cutting off fuel, food, water, and electricity to Gaza, he called the Gazans human animals. That's 2.4 million people who are being treated as if they are animals. They're not Hamas fighters. As Raji said, the fighters are one thing. Hamas is one thing. Uh, Hamas has imposed itself on the people of Gaza. Uh, uh, the people of Gaza are the ones who are going to suffer. As in every one of these wars, almost all of the casualties are going to be civilians that Israel has waged on Gaza. This will be the fifth or the sixth attack on Gaza. And I'm, I'm very, very afraid that Raji is right. We are going to see unparalleled massacres. But w- I think we have to see that this may be the end of, a, of an era when people in Washington and people in Arab capitals assume you could just fly over Palestine, ignore it, and pretend that we're in a new Middle East of peace while an entire people is living under this kind of incredible oppression in a pressure cooker. It had to explode. And talk about what's happening now. You have the Republicans attacking Biden, um, saying that um, it's his support for Iran making that uh, $6 billion deal, unfreezing Iranian assets that has allowed this to happen. The Wall Street Journal saying Iran is behind this. Um, The White House pushing back. Blinken saying they don't have the evidence at this point. What this means. And also uh, Hezbollah on the border of Lebanon uh, and the incursion this weekend as well? Well, I mean, the the possibility of a wider conflict uh, should terrify everybody. And instead of moving aircraft carriers, the United States should be trying to to defuse the situation. Instead, I think they're blindly going ahead with the policies that they have followed in the past. Uh, You do not send presents, as President Biden has done, to an apartheid government that is moving towards basically destroying the protections of the Israeli constitution for Israeli Jews and annexing the West Bank. And that's what this administration has been doing. That's what previous administrations have done. We finance this occupation. We finance this violence. There are American weapons that are being used today, right now, in Gaza, to kill innocent civilians in violation of U.S. law. 
And American politicians blithely talk as if they live on another planet. Um, I think, though, that the, the, the ground has shifted. And even though American politicians live in Never Never Land, um, as far as Palestine is concerned, um, reality is going to intrude itself sooner or later. There is a widespread revulsion across the Arab world against what Israel does in Palestine. Authoritarian, dictatorial, absolute monarchies are trying to ignore that, ignore the, the feelings of their own people, the sentiments of their own people. Um, that's not going to work. Uh, you cannot make peace over the bodies of Palestinians. That's not peace. That is the peace of the dead. And uh, the kind of repression that is being exerted day in, day out, theft of land, expansion of settlements, and so on, necessarily, inevitably, is going to bring a reaction. So whether the people living in Washington, D.C., and in, in their own alternative reality, uh, believe it today or tomorrow, sooner or later, I think that reality is going to dawn. The national, uh, you, cannot, you cannot do this uh, in, in, for, forever. The National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, just 10 days ago said, you know, it has been uh, very quiet uh, in the Middle East, which has allowed the U.S. to move on to other areas of the world. <clears throat> very quiet, he said. Um, and I'm wondering if you can comment on that. And do you think what um, led to this attack by Hamas fighters on Saturday um, had anything to do with Saudi Arabia and Israel normalizing relations at the behest of the United States? I, I don't doubt that that was a factor. I, I think the basic factor was that people couldn't live under these circumstances. And Hamas has basically acted in a way involving enormous brutality against civilians, things that are unquestionably war crimes. But it has acted in a way to shatter that whole paradigm. Um, I, I think people are thinking very carefully in places that have normalized with Israel. The other thing that should be said, I think uh, uh, Orly mentioned this, this is a massive intelligence failure on the part of American intelligence, and especially on the part of the Israeli uh, intelligence services. They had absolutely no idea this was coming. They transferred three battalions from the Gaza front to the West Bank to protect settler rampages against Palestinians, denuding the, the towns on the southern borders of the Gaza Strip, of the people who could have defended uh, against uh, the attack by Hamas. Um, this was one of the great deception operations in modern military history, and it, people are going to teach this. Leaving aside the war crimes, they're going to teach this in, in military academies uh, for years and years to come. Uh, this is on level with the 1973 war in terms of deception and a, a, an entirely mistaken concept on the part of Israelis, thinking that you could do this to Gaza forever and that they would just lie down and take it. And Rashid Khalidi, this news just came out from Times of Israel, also from the Associated Press. Egyptian intelligence repeatedly told Israel Hamas was planning something big. Warnings were discounted. This according to an intelligence official in Cairo. Um, right. who, who, your thoughts on this in the last 30 seconds? It's very similar to what happened before the 1973 war, when Israel was getting intelligence that the, the Egyptian and Syrian armies were planning a major attack. And the conception, the conceptia in, in Hebrew, uh, that these people would never do such a thing, they're not capable of this. The arrogance that was involved uh, in ignoring those intelligence reports in, 70, in 1973 and in 2023 are among the things that led to this catastrophic outcome, which I think is going to change a lot of things in the Middle East in, in, the, in the months and years to come.
Rashid Khalidi, we want to thank you for being with us. Edward Said, professor of modern Arab studies at Columbia University. His latest book, The Hundred Years' War on Palestine. Raji Sarani, a Palestinian Center for Human Rights in Gaza, leading human rights lawyer, speaking to us from Gaza as the bombs went off. Ofer Kassif, member of the Israeli Knesset, and Orly Noy, board chair of B'Tselem, Israeli human rights organization. That does it for our show. I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks for joining us.